I'm Margaret Feinberg, and this is the Joycast. Hi, friends. Welcome to another edition of the Joycast, the hap, hap, happiest half hour of your week. As always, I'm your host, Margaret Feinberg, and the snow has finally melted in our yard here in Utah. Last Tuesday, we sat outside on our deck and shared a meal with friends, and it was glorious. Just last night, we even went out and picnicked. But today, well, it's starting to snow again. So tucked inside, I'm taking some time today to care for my body with some really cool items from FabFitFun the incredible lifestyle box. Now, if you haven't heard about it, it's a seasonal box with full-size beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. And I just got my second box this week. It's got lotion and mascara from Tarte, an adorable jewelry dish, a workout bag, and so much more. So if you haven't already, check out fabfitfun.com and use the code JOYCAST so you can save $10 off your first box, making it only $39.99. You're going to get over $250 in value of what you'll find inside. Again, that's fabfitfun.com and use the code JOYCAST. We're so grateful for their partnership and sponsorship of today's episode. Over the course of the last 18 months, I've been immersing myself in deep research for the book and Bible study, Taste and See, Discovering God Among Butchers, Bakers, and Fresh Food Makers. Not only did this book and study change the way that I read the Bible forever, but it also changed the way that I approach every meal. Since Easter, I've been immersing myself in the 50-day countdown to Pentecost by spending more time in the book of Acts. And I've been taken back by just how much time and energy the original followers spent gathering around the table and how that that time around that table, well, the Holy Spirit showed up and performed mighty miracles in their midst. That's one reason that I'm excited to have Kristen Schell on the Joycast today. She shares a similar heart and passion for gathering people around the table and watching God show up and show off in mighty and unexpected ways. She's actually started a revolution with just two simple things, a picnic table and a can of spray paint. In her book, The Turquoise Table, Finding Community and Connection in Your Own Front Yard, she shares how easy it can be to build transformative community right where you live. So pull up a chair. You don't want to miss this incredible early summer episode. Kristen, it is such a delight to have you on the Joycast. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. You and I share this similar heart, this similar passion for seeing people connect around the table. There is something that is, I believe, sacred. There is something holy. There is something that you and I 
and all of humanity were designed for. And, and a lot of that connection takes place around something that is in all of our homes, and that is the table. And what I love in your story, for anybody who hasn't heard it before, I love your creativity. I love your passion for God. I love the way that, that God infuses each of us with such unique callings and expressions and giftings and nudges. And what you did is you put a bright turquoise picnic table in your front yard and pretty soon people started doing the same. Can, can you tell the story of the turquoise table? Sure. And it, it, it was, it wasn't really my creativity. It was actually sort of desperation. Truth be told. Um, I, yes, I'm a table person just like you and, and love bringing people to the table. Um, I'm also a mother of four children and live a busy life like all of us and was finding that that table time was becoming harder and harder to find. And it was getting harder and harder to get to the table for obviously delicious food or a quick meal, um, but more importantly, that connection and conversation. And so having this longing you know wasn't going to wasn't going to go away but i started thinking how can i do this in a way that doesn't require like always you know a, a big meal or an event or lots of preparation and god heard all of those pleas of my heart and i um I, it happened kind of by accident i was having a party with a friend and i needed extra seating and so i ordered just a plain ordinary picnic table. I mean, it's the kind you've seen everywhere. Okay. It's, it Home Depot. From, where did you get it? From? Lowe's. It okay. was Lowe's because okay. okay. they could deliver it the next day. <laughs> so it's just one of those, you know, less than a hundred bucks, you know, just assembled and delivered in two days. And I was like, bingo, that's what I need. But here's the thing when they delivered it, it's heavy because picnic tables that made out of wood are heavy. So they put it right in my front yard and then they came and rang the doorbell and said, where do you want this? But Margaret, when I saw that table out front, it was this aha moment. And I thought, I want it right there. And the guys looked at me like, oh, you're crazy. Or that was the easiest delivery job we had. (laughs) But but they they put it in the backyard for the party. But I was, I literally became kind of obsessed with this idea of what if we put the table in the front yard? What if we took our ordinary things, things we're already doing, like our pizza night dinners, our school projects, birthday parties, things that were already happening either in the backyard or around our kitchen table. And what if we did them in the front yard as a way just to kind of invite people into our lives in a really simple way? And I said, what if we were to start living as front yard people? And that's all it was. It was a hypothesis. And I thought, well, just what if? And then I thought, well, I mean, I'll never know unless I do it. So we put the table in the front yard. I painted it turquoise because it is my favorite color. And I started inviting people to just kind of hang out and pop by and just bring a cup of coffee or meet on the way home from work. And it met this need. It, It just this deep desire for in my neighborhood with friends and and neighbors I hadn't even met to just quickly connect without like a lot of hullabaloo and without a lot of, you know, just preparation. It was very spontaneous, but the need of sitting down and connecting for just a few minutes was like, it was just overwhelming really to us. It was so profound. And so I knew it had met an immediate need in our neighborhood, 
but like you said, there's there it, it's become a thing, and now um, it's met. I mean, there are thousands of turquoise tables in all fifty states and thirteen countries. And the thing is, is that it's it table, but what it's done is it's given us a place to just a simple, simple place to gather. Because as we know, you know, the food brings us there, but what keeps us there is that connection to people and that, and the relationships that get building. And so, you know, I call it the greatest hospitality hack ever because it's like, you know, people can show up barefoot or in their yoga pants or on their way to or from whatever they're doing next. It's a quick stop in, pop in. But what we have found, it's been five years since I put the table in my front yard. And, and over the course of five years, those tiny ordinary moments really add up and matter. And so relationships are really built. Um, and, and it's all because we're face to face. What I love about your story is that you are taking people from behind closed garage doors, their closed front doors, and literally inviting, creating a space for people to go outside, to engage with one another, to recognize that our lives are better not lived behind closed doors, but out in the open with an open invitation for people who are walking by, who are neighbors to pop by, to begin conversations for kids to come over and play. And I'm curious, has there been times when when you're like, okay, we need to develop healthy boundaries here? Or is it, how do you determine when you go out, when you're at the picnic table and when you remain inside? Oh, that's great. And, and this is one of the things now I'm sort of the, you know, as the, the leader or the cheerleader, as I like to say, of, of our, of all the turquoise tables and the front yard people. Yes, boundaries are, of course, important. And, you know, I, at, when I tell the story, people are like, well, are you out there all the time? Of course not. <laughs> you know, of course not. Um, and so, one of the things though is, is, is we talk a lot about is just establishing that presence. And so, you know, when we're behind closed doors, when all people see is an image of a garage door going up and someone disappearing behind it and a garage door going down or an elevator, if you're in an apartment, you know, building and, and, and we have this vague notion that there are people who are literally in proximity, the closest to us. And yet we don't know who they are are, you know, there's this, there's this temptation to just to, to stay that way. And to your point of being together, you know, and, and coming out, this outsideness has just been, um, I mean, it, it's wonderful, but you can't live out there all the time. Right. Um, and so I do two Thursday mornings at the table was how I started. And that was my morning kind of ritual of Sabbath keeping. It was my morning of, you know, no technology. It was a, it was a rhythm that I already had. And so I thought, well, I'll just try it out at the table on Thursdays. And so I would go out and I would take my journal or, or Bible study or whatever I was working on. Um, but just the presence, being presence and establishing that presence over time. I probably haven't been out at the table on a Thursday morning just because of travel and work, you know, in probably a month. And yet people still identify me with being out at the table on Thursday mornings. And so part of that is me establishing healthy boundaries. But part of that is just the perception of once we're out there, um, it's not, you know, it's not that we have to be out there always. It's just the availability and what we're saying to our neighbors and to the people near us is, I'm here. I'm here. And even if I'm not at the table, neighbors now will text and say, I need table time. You know, can you come out after dinner? Or And so it's just, you know, we kind of say somebody has to go first. 
Somebody has to be the one to take that step and sort of um, establish that presence for the neighborhood. And then after that, no, you know, I'm not out there as much as people probably assume I am. But it's also because we've created the relationships now. And so there are other ways that that we stay um, in contact and are available for one another. Um, people starting early on, there's always a a real enthusiasm to you know have coffee on Saturdays and or a bake sale or or happy hour or whatever it is. And I, my tendency or, or my my advice is always, you know, pace yourself. <laughs> you know, this is relationships take time, and in our eagerness. Um, you know, we're in this for the long haul. And so that's, that's sort of my holistic view of boundaries. I mean, there's all sorts of takes we could take on this when you have that neighbor or when somebody really, really needs you. And they're the same rules that apply um, to, to small groups or church community. We're just doing it as a baby step with the people who live closest to us, which is our neighbors. Talk to me about for a moment, I, I, we just passed Mother's Day. I don't know how your yard is doing. We're in Utah. So where we are in our neighborhood, the snow has all melted. Uh, I have neighbors less than a quarter of a mile away who are still praying to Jesus that their snow melts soon. Uh, flowers are starting to pop up. It is an incredible time of year here to, to pick up at Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever a picnic table and consider putting it out front. But I would imagine some of our listeners are a little bit hesitant because as you've hinted at, there is that neighbor. And maybe it's the neighbor who, when you step outside, comes and, and, and talks to you for an hour straight or makes you hesitant or makes you in some way feel unsafe. What do you say to the person who's in a neighborhood where, where they're hesitant because perhaps of who one or two of their neighbors are? Well, I mean, we always put safety first. I mean, you have to. And so that's just where good common sense you know, comes into play. And so um, there are times, you know, when people will email or text or call and just say, you know, what do I do? You know, I feel unsafe. Well, then, then, then by all means, you know, be pragmatic and smart about that. But if it's, if it's just the dog barking, or if it's just someone who's grumbling, or if it's someone who, you know, we never know what's going on behind closed doors. And, and so we have stories story after story after story of, you know, I thought he, you know, was just a grouch and he was always the one that just, you know, and I'm just referring, you know, generally to a neighbor, but, but a stereotype of the grouch, you know, he'll come out always complaining, you know, the dogs are always too loud. The children are always too loud, whatever the the scenario is. But when they're included and invited out and somebody goes first and makes that welcome, most people, most people just want to know that they belong. And, and for whatever reason, they've got battle scars or there, there's a reason, you know, that maybe they're the one, you know, that the, the neighbor, um, that that's hard to approach. Um, and, and usually, you know, we don't have a danger situation. We have someone who needs to know that they belong, um, and that their life matters and that they are seen and that they are heard and that this is a place that, that, you know, they're welcome to come and join. And that's by and large, the case. Um, and, and over and over again, people say, I had never even been invited. I was too afraid to go out, you know, or, or, or I was afraid because of something that I might not be welcome. And so it's that invitation um, and that welcome that 
tends to change a lot of that. Now, of course, you know, to your point, there are safety issues. And again, that's just where you have to be smart and wise. What I hear you saying is that often, even in our understanding of our neighbors, there is that moment when maybe they, like we did, shot off fireworks after 9 p.m., which we later found was against the homeowner's agreement here. Oopsies. Or so, so we can be that neighbor. I, I want to be very clear. Or, you know, our dog is squeaking maybe when we leave and I forget that he's outside and, you know, my neighbors have to listen to that. And so I can become that neighbor, but I can easily become a caricature in the eyes of my neighbors. And the same, they can become that, you know, from maybe one interaction where they were having a bad day or their trash blew over and they didn't know. And so it's all over, blown away. But suddenly when you set out a table, we are moving from caricatures or maybe shallow glimpses or understandings of each other to truly entering into a space, like I talk about in Taste and See, where we gather around the table to know and to be known, to love and to be loved. And in that place, I feel like one of the things you're doing is, is you are creating you know, this wonderful passage that, that calls us a, a royal priesthood, that, that we are a people who, who set up a table um, for people to encounter in and be introduced to the person of Jesus Christ. Talk to me about some of the faith stories that have emerged as is just growing in relationships around the table, how that's begun to open doors to sharing faith and introducing people to Christ. Well, the the very first thing is is that what what we have found, what I have found in my own experience and then what I hear echoed from, you know, from from all over the United States is that by and large, there are so many people who are seeking or hungry for faith, um, but have had an experience where they, a negative one in a church or a religious institution. And so for whatever reason, you know, they vary, we've all heard them, um, they have, they've given up on church or they have decided maybe it's not for me or I don't feel welcome. And so, as believers, you know, the, the, I mean, that's crushing, right? Um, of all places to not feel welcome in church. And so one of the things that is so modeled in, in Jesus's life is, and as you know, he did so much of his ministry around a table. He did so much of his ministry literally walking the streets, you know, modeling what he, you know, what he wanted us to be doing. And so in very many ways, when we go outside and sit at a table and invite people in to our lives, we're doing life with them and we're modeling what it could look like without even saying church yet, right? Um, And so when these relationships, and and it's been my experience where people have said, well, how how you handled that was so unique and so different. What is it? about, I mean, what is it? Well, it's Jesus. And then when there's a relationship, when you've broken, you know, chips and queso, as we do in Texas, you know, rather than communion bread and wine, then it's, it's, it's my opportunity to say, well, actually, this is what I believe. And this is, this is who I turn to. And and this is what I've learned from, from being a disciple of Jesus. And it works for me. And there's this curiosity um, and and it allows for an incredible conversation because trust and relationship is already there. That is beautiful. That idea that again we're we're, we're getting to know each other. We're, we're waiting for the opportunities to share our faith. One of the distinctions in the turquoise table that I love that you make in your book is this distinction between hospitality and entertaining. Can can you can you unpack that for our listeners? 
Right. Well, and I think just in 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 our era today, there's a huge disconnect and a confusion really between the two and, and between entertainment and hospitality. Both have a place, right? And um, there is a time for entertainment, but we cannot confuse it with hospitality, specifically biblical hospitality. The Greek root and word hospitality means love of stranger. So when we think of hospitality and we're, we get it confused with, you know, table settings and, and four course meals and beautiful, you know, flowers and all of those things, you know, yes, that can show love to a stranger, but that's an entirely different mindset and heart set. Love of strangers is putting the emphasis on our guest entertainment. There's a time for it. I mean, I love to entertain and there are events that literally call for entertainment, but it's putting the emphasis on me and it's showing what I can do in a way. And so whenever we have people at the table, especially, um, you know, showing this love, Christ's love, we've got to have that heart for hospitality. And when I, when I earlier said that the, the turquoise table was the greatest hospitality hack, well, it's so easy to get distracted, you know, by by the things we love, great food and and beautiful settings and all of these. But when you're outside at a picnic table, you know, the, it, it, is, it eliminates and strips away all of that um, distraction, if you will. And so really all that's left um, is to show up and to be present and to listen and to show that love to that stranger, um, which is, uh, which is hospitality. And so sometimes, you know, of course we love to take fun appetizers out or drinks and lemonades and things, but you know, Jesus says a cold cup of water. That's all we really need to bring. And so for, for those of us who are for me specifically, the lesson God has taught me is, um, is, is really don't get distracted in, and just, just take the time to show up and be present. That's what people want. That's, they, they just want to be listened to and know that they belong. There's such freedom in that. I feel like sometimes, and especially people who have read Taste and See, they come back to this too, this sense of, well, well, you know, I've got to cook this 19 hour meal that's been slow cooked and prepared and curated. And it's like, no, 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 you can get takeout. I mean, this is what, this is why they make rotisserie chickens. It is about finding just that place and that space where we focus on the other. So it is May. We're all going to go out. We're going to get a turquoise table. We want to put it out. What do you say to the introvert, to the person living in an apartment, to the person without a front yard? How can they embrace their neighbors and build community? Well, first, we call ourselves front yard people because that was literally, as I said at the beginning, you know, what I, what if we were to live as front yard people? Because I have a front yard. Clearly, you know, not everyone has a front yard. And if I had known it was going to be a thing, I might have, you know, called us something different. But anyone can be front yard people. Literally, it just means that we are living this open hearted, um, life of hospitality. And so, you know, it doesn't, if you don't have a front yard, where do people naturally tend to gather? And it, it's happening. People are gathering somewhere. It's, it, it may take, you know, a, a few days or a week or just noticing those patterns, but our community are the most creative people ever. So for folks who, for whatever reason, don't want, don't, don't want a turquoise table in their front yard or just can't, they are finding places where they love to go. Libraries, church patios, farmers markets. The turquoise tables are popping up 
literally everywhere. And, and, it, and I love the creativity of it because, and it works because it's so simple. We just need the reminder to just come to the table. And so I get the introvert extrovert question all the time. As you can imagine, I am an extrovert, but I hear on great authority from my introverted friends that there is something so calming and peaceful about being outside at a picnic table. Um, I will say that introverts by and large tend to be the best listeners and in fact, sometimes the best conversationalists in small environments. And so that's, I, I mean, I don't want to be flippant, but it, introvert, extrovert is really an excuse, you know? Um, and so, you know, you, it, the other thing about picnic tables is that they're by design meant to host small people. I mean, smaller groups of people, four fit perfect, six great eight if you squish. And so it's not, um, there's no sense of being trapped. My introvert friends tell tell me, you know, when you're outdoors, you can just, you know, you're not stuck in a room um, or, or feel like there's no end in sight to a party. And so there's something for all of this that's absolutely captivating about being outside um, at, a, at a table when, when the weather obviously is good. But the most important thing um, I would say is be the one. Somebody has to go first. Someone has to be the one. Um, and what that looks like can be all based on your gifting, your desire, and your neighborhood. Somebody can be the one to host a first simple gathering. You can be the one just to start picking up a neighbor's you know, newspaper every day, just as a small gesture. You can be the one to, to, you know, start a potluck or to take a meal to someone in need or to volunteer your teenage son to, to mow a lawn. I mean, there are all different kinds of ways, um, to, to show up and be present in the lives of those around us. Kristen, one of the questions we love to ask every guest who comes on the Joycast is their favorite recipe. And so what recipe would you love to share with me and our listeners? Okay, right now I am loving the most simple thing because we're all about simplicity at the turquoise table and it's a mushroom gruyere tart. And so it sounds kind of fancy, got the French cheese thing going on there, but it is so simple. Um, And it's just a puffed pastry that you can keep in your freezer. I always have um, a box or two of them around. And then simple sauteed mushrooms with a little shaved gruyere, pop it in the oven for, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 minutes. And then my favorite thing lately is to cut it up in small little bite-sized pieces and put it on a big um, board, like a charcuterie board. Um, and then I take, I put some arugula on it and take it out to the table and everybody just has little finger bites of it. And it is so yummy. That sounds amazing. I can't wait to make it. Anybody who wants to get this recipe, all you have to do is go to margaretfeinberg.com backslash joycast, and you will find this recipe, all the show notes, and how to get Kristen's book. Kristen, thank you so much for being on the Joycast. Thank you, Margaret. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Joycast. If you've enjoyed today's conversation and you'd like to dive deeper into the unexpected joys awaiting you around your table, check out my new book and Bible study, Taste and See, Discovering God Among Butchers, Bakers, and Fresh Food Makers. These resources will help you savor your life, nourish your friendships, and embark on your greatest faith adventure. You can purchase them at your favorite retailer or margaretfeinbergstore.com. 
If you do, reach out to me on social media or my website and let me know what you think. Until we meet again, bon appetit and amen.